somehow she was able to look over at us after the doctor said she would need to be on life support and ask us what we thought. And all I did was just cry. And then she died. everybody it's ned buskirk we are back this is you're going to die the podcast episode two. Oh, like i hoped with putting forth the podcast and officially releasing it um what comes next really depended on just getting it out and so now I'm feeling the responsibility of showing up with this thing that we've put into the world officially. And I got to be honest right now, it is not an easy time to feel responsible for things. Uh, even getting to sit down here right now and record this episode has felt like a lot. It still feels like a lot. Um, but I think like I really let myself fall into with the first episode, I decided I just need to let myself go into this too and trust that while there's some ideas and <laughs> hopefully some kind of structure and things I want to say and share, there's also a little bit of this kind of rawness and vulnerability that um, is the point of a lot of what you're going to die is committed to. I mean, all the open mics have that real strong um, inclination holding space for people just to show up and and the favorite moments after all these years are the ones that that m make room for people to show up and feel safe enough just to do whatever they can can do and share in that moment not having prepared to do anything at all and so it feels good to just be honest uh this second episode it it's a hard thing to get to i don't know what it's like out there for you but there's this experience i'm having of you know, feeling like, oh, this this is clear, this is what's next, and then in the next moment, literally feeling the heaviness and sadness uh, and <laughs> stuckness of what we're faced with right now, and not really getting the point to getting anything done, and, you know, feeling isolated and alone, um, but then it moves, then it moves, and I guess better for me than anything is just to push there's like a big stone that I wrapped a rope around and I tied it and I pushed it off the edge of a cliff. And that first stone is uh, the first episode of the podcast. Well, that rope 
is tied to another stone, although it feels a little bit like it's tied to me. It's tied around my waist. It's just tied to another stone that I need need to get ready. And when that first stone starts to fall far enough away, at the right moment, this next stone will go off the edge. And and I, I'm not sure this is the most magical and empowering analogy to put on a, a podcast and its episodes, but it certainly is helping me right now. It helped just to take action. And, and, and right now in the last few weeks, there's moments where I've needed to not. I mean, we did three open mics in the first two weeks of, of this pandemic really impacting us locally. And it took me so much to get to that first online open mic. And when the third one was done, I didn't want to do any. And I'm not sure I had any energy or strength or emotional um, ability left in me to to show up for another one this week. So we took it off. We didn't do an online open mic this week and it's okay. And you're just trusting the dance right now while not trying to be led too much by someone's social media post, anybody's social media post. But just knowing that now is the time to sit still and be sad. And I mean, literally yesterday, just having a moment where I just was sitting there and I just, the tears just welled up and they came out and it felt good to just let myself be that. My phone was off. I wasn't working on anything. I wasn't trying to escape. I was just in the sadness. And there's a lot of that, you know, we can all feel it. And so to let yourself be there and to, to go into the night sad and lay down your head sad and not feeling like you you need to do anything like that's okay that's healthy and while some commitments for me are good like a schedule for this podcast or you know the work it takes getting behind the online open mics knowing that it's necessary and good for me in the end and good for others there's also just the balance of knowing there's there's times where where we don't have to do that and it's okay And right now is one of those times where I have a timeline deadline, a timeline deadline that I gave and committed to with Scott Farreter. Um, The magic involved in You're Going to Die, the podcast is is so named, Scott Farreter. And, um, you know, we said that I I would need to get him recordings by a certain time of week and uh, it would guarantee an episode out the following um, following week. And so... um, I'm just kind of falling in line. I'm taking that big first stone. I'm wrapping a rope around it, tying it tight and pushing it over. And here comes the next stone. So that brings us to episode two and what episode two can offer. I think something I've known all along is I wanted to take the time in this second episode or some part of the podcast to, um, to honor maybe the starting point of you're going to die, at least one of them, definitely one of them. And that is my mom and my mom's death in 2003. That is uh, absolutely connected to what I do with you're going to die and that I do this thing. Um, But while I want to make room for that, I also want to acknowledge that it, the ways I feel about my mom's death are so different from certainly 2003, but even 2010, when You're Going to Die first started, or 2015, when I was far deeper into doing these open mics and 
and that it's evolved. My relationship to my mom's death has evolved and, and it doesn't inform you're going to die in the same way. It's there. I mean, in the middle of a show and an open mic, when I feel her presence and that loss emerge and bubble up, uh, I could cry like she just died sometimes and do. Um, but there's a way I relate to her death that's just freer and uh, maybe more spacious. And so while I want to acknowledge that piece of, of why you're going to die exists, that significant uh, life experience, um, I want to use another way to uh, share about it. And it's an old interview um, that I did back in 2016 with a gentleman by the name of David Ruiz on his podcast, Death Nell's Radio. Um, and so when I talk about you're going to die in this episode and what you're going to die is, that feels like part of what I need to share. And that is part of what this episode is. This episode is a what is you're going to die episode. But let's be honest, you don't want to have me sit here and talk for for a half hour about all the things we're up to and what we're doing. I mean, part of what you're going to die is, is this, is that you're listening now and that there might be something you're feeling now about what I'm saying and that you might hear me talk about my mom's death and, and hear the story of her death and, and it, would, it would move something in you. It would move your own grief or it would touch some part of you that, that's alive and joyful and inspired. And um, to be honest, having a whole episode about all the things we're up to and the shows and the the nonprofit and our programs. I mean, that stuff's out there. Um, you can access that by just searching online, like enter you're going to die into Google. Like you will get to those pieces of what we're up to. And we are a nonprofit and we do have nonprofit programs and we work with hospice patients and we go into prison and we do online open mics and we do events and we do shows and we make space for each other and community to grieve and, and be creative about engaging with mortality. We do all that stuff. That's what we're doing. That's what you're going to die is. So if you're listening to this podcast to, to find out about all that, um, that's the truth. But you want to find out more in that direction, all the logistics and details, you know, just go to our website www.yg2d.com and um, go online and explore um, the stuff we're doing. But I think even better way to bring people in is here. And I don't mean the podcast. I mean now. I mean me now. Me now talking. And the podcast is the container I'm talking into. And you listener on the other side with your your ears and I'm, I'm like a little mountain climber coming up the, the little edges of your, your earlobe. And I'm got a bag that I'm carrying, not baggage, you know, but a bag of my story. And I'm going to kind of throw it up into your ear canal right now. And, uh, and you're going to die is about that kind of occurrence and you listening from where you're at and, um, the bag you're holding and uh, us meeting there in your little ear and, um, you know, feeling the things that come up there, the grief and sadness, but the joy and aliveness, connectedness and, um, you know, togetherness, our, our beings, 
And that's what you're going to die has always been to me is, is creating experiences like that. So if you certainly need and want to find out more about you're going to die by all means, go ahead, check out the website, um, do all the searching online. It's all, it's all there at yg2d.com and, um, just go into that website and click on what you're going to die and you'll get a whole, whole page that's, that's got it all. Um, but also just listen here. Uh, this interview excerpt has always been precious to me because it really captures very emotionally and out of a time that feels long gone, um, something really strongly connected to you're going to die coming into being. And while I, I've made it clear that it's not where I'm at now, it still feels important to share uh, where it came from and uh, where where I came from in this and out of this loss. So I want to share that with you now. This is an excerpt from David Ruiz's Death Nails Radio in an interview we did on You're Going to Die and My Mom's Death. Take a listen. Well, you know, there's a lot of versions of the worst since my mom died. Um, but I'd have to say that the worst was that week that she died. Mm-hmm. And coming home from up from L.A. to visit for Thanksgiving and having her call me. I stopped in San Jose and she called me and told me that she wasn't feeling well and that she needed me to come home because she needed to, for me to get her medication. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I knew it was really serious. I mean, she lived around the corner from the pharmacy, you know, so I knew it was really serious. And so bolting home, knowing that suddenly my mom is dramatically ill, yeah. you know, and then having that week go by day by day, her health declined so quickly. Um, getting her to chemo or the doctors that week, you know, she would fall, you know. Um, I remember pulling up to her apartment and she got out of the car too quickly and I wasn't there and she just fell backwards. And, and then as we would go over to her apartment to walk up the stairs to her her home there was a moment with my sister and I where she was too weak to get up her stairs and she was on the ground the sidewalk outside of her apartment and a neighbor came by and I remember this like many moments with my mom where she was so embarrassed for her sickness and her dying and she was embarrassed that she had sores in her mouth and couldn't keep her dentures in. And she was embarrassed that she couldn't walk up her own stairs to go into the safety of her home without her kids needing to like struggle um, to lift her and get her there. 
And I remember her being so weak that we had to use an office chair to take her from her bedroom into the bathroom. And knowing my sister had to go in there because of the nightgown vulnerability that was my mom by that point. Um, And to be a child and not know how rapidly this thing is coming when any doctor could have walked in and said, you need hospice, you need a hospital. We didn't know. And we had Thanksgiving and we made her little plate with her mashed potatoes and she just laid in bed until the day after Thanksgiving when we finally called and they came and took her to the hospital and we followed in my sister's car and when we got there it was only hours before she died but of all the quiet silence that she went into the removal of her spirit and being in our lives literally in that apartment during that week uh, how little she talked um, how quiet she got in that hospital room somehow she was able to look over at us after the doctor said she would need to be on life support and ask us what we thought. And all I did was just cry. And then she died. And I don't mean like instantly, but I do mean within an hour. And for a long time, reliving all of that, was the worst and I cry now because because it was but my relation to it my relationship to it has changed Um, and I guess it's maybe forgiveness and acceptance of what it is to be a little boy and have your mother die Um, and not feel like you caused it or that you didn't you not feel like you should have done something else um but i feel like it's been years of having to relive those things and even being fixated on them because it's this last existence that i had of her and that it makes me feel it feels good to cry about it um and i feel like it honors her and that that death um but by far those memories laying in the night and thinking about those is the worst.
day is leaving, night now speaks. From where you're going, where you are will seem like such a wild to listen to that interview in 2016 and actually see from where I'm sitting now what's happened in my relationship to the loss since 2003 that there could be stages of me going like well I don't feel like I used to that I don't feel like I used to oh now I don't feel like I did in 2016 and I don't feel like I did in 2003 and feel like there's something that's shifted after all this time. And of course there has. I mean, time just does that. But for the purpose of this podcast, I would like to make the leap that a lot of the movement that's happened, my movement in relationship with her loss, in relationship with the ways I've grieved over the years, the ways I grieved then in 2016, the ways I grieved when I started the You're Going to Die open mic in 2010, that all of the ways I've engaged with that loss and with community, that I've done it like that, with all these shows and these experiences and where my grief has met the grief of so many others. And in that, I felt like less alone and I felt witnessed and heard. And I also felt like the drama of my loss got diminished so that I could really hold it more sacredly with other people holding their loss sacredly like it deserves, not like something to just wash me away endlessly because I'm real good at that 
and I still am good at it in some ways, but the ways I think about my mom's death, maybe now after all this processing through you're going to die's experiences, all the ways that it's brought me a chance to, to, to be with my mom in, in a new relationship, even it's shifted things so much after all these years. And I guess when I say, what is your going to die? I can really confidently say that what I'm sharing now is you're going to die. That's what this thing has been to me. And and that's what I hope it is for others. And that's all. I mean, I'm real sorry (laughs) for the intensity of the first two episodes. I'm not saying that it won't happen anymore. It'll definitely happen again, but I'd like to think there's going to be some joy and laughter, a little more of that with the episodes um, rolling out over the next many months. Um, but but this is also the truth. This is the point. This is what you're going to die is. It makes room for that stuff. And so then there can be room for a uh, little lightness and aliveness. And I hope when you hear me talk about these things and you hear me talk about my mom and that loss and you can hear the tears sliding down my face, out of my eyeballs, maybe you feel more alive. And that part of part of feeling alive sometimes is just by accessing those things that are heartbroken and that are grief-stricken and that are the places that were cracked. And when I do that, like I did it yesterday in the context of the life that we're living now, the things that we're living through, I felt more alive. That's part of why it was comfortable and okay. It's not always like that at all. It wasn't that way today, but last night it was, and the grief held me, you know, and it was like a boat of tears in a sea of tears. <laughs> wow. All right. All right. That's enough. That's enough. Um that's just the most ridiculous imagery. <laughs> and, um, but it's, it's true. I mean, um, it feels that way sometimes. But so thank you for listening to that. And uh, thank you for hearing me out on, on sharing that kind of heart of what this thing is for me. And, and this is for you, mom. I love you. Um, this is a version of your legacy. And uh, I'm so grateful for you and the gifts you've brought into my life. I mean, I can't say it enough. Um, And so y'all know my mom's name is Chris. And it feels real good to say her name is rather than was. And I I recommend trying it out. We're so quick to be like, the day someone dies, correct ourselves. And we say, well, John, you know, he's a good guy, you know. And you can say that. You don't have to stop yourself and say he was a good guy. You know, my mom is here. My relationship to her is alive. And uh, she's very much part of what I do and how I live and that I do this. So anyway, I love you, mom. Thank you. Okay. Um, There's so many ways I want this podcast to show up and and we're working it all out and uh, thinking of all the pieces and parts and and dialing it as we go. But but one big thing I, I... while there's things I haven't quite figured out, there's things that I'm figuring out and I'm ready to like just say so. And and this is one of them. And that is a call for submissions. Send me what you got. Make sure it's less than five minutes. It's a hard rule that we're carrying over from the You're Going to Die Poetry Pros and Everything Goes open mics. It's like the one rule at the open mics is keep it under five minutes and and uh, that's your rule too. So go into your phone, find the recording app and just record a story, a poem, a song, whatever it is, send it over and um, 
we'll find a place for it if we can on the podcast moving forward. And that's that. Um, I think it feels really special to offer our first version of that. Um, and this, this guy's, uh, got a special place in my heart. He's one of my best friends. I met him back in high school, uh, when I was just a freshman and, um, and we've been best buddies ever since. Uh, he's lost his mom and dad, um, both within a year. Um, and, uh, so the losses are close to me because it's him, but also because his mom is, uh, is one of my moms. And, um, he's also been hugely encouraging right now in my life. And, uh, we've been checking in a lot more than usual. So it feels really right to share this as the first submission to you're going to die. The podcast, um, this is by Leon Sandoval, one of my best friends of life, and it's called death and grooming. A Story About Death and Grooming by Leon Sandoval The day before my father died, my mom called to tell me her cancer was back. Nine weeks later, she died. After the phone call, I remember sitting in a chair with my socks in my hands. I felt like a horse had just kicked me in the gut. The wind, the life was knocked out of me. My mind went blank and numb. I couldn't even process what she just said. I was literally about to leave my uncle's house to go spend another long day at my dying father's side. My mom, ever optimistic, always upbeat, had a tightness to her voice that she couldn't hide. The first time she fought cancer, she talked like a prize fighter. I'm going to beat this. I'm going to do everything the doctor tells me to, Leon. I'm going to fight this. But this time, no. The nurses came in to bathe my dead father and prepare him for our last goodbyes. When I noticed the way they combed his hair was all wrong, I leaned over to my stepbrother, Tom, and I said, what do you say we comb his hair the way he likes it? Tom wholeheartedly agreed. So the two of us approached his bed and worked together to style his hair. As the nurse began to shave my father, a flood of good memories hit my brain. As a little boy, my dad would hand me an old razor handle without a blade. He would lather my face and I would pretend to shave alongside of him. So I asked the nurse if I could finish the shave. That was an incredible experience. It was honoring for me and for my dad. It brought him a sort of last moment of dignity where we all looked upon him for the last time and locked that moment into our minds. Dad would have wanted his hair properly done with a clean shave. Weeks later, while sitting by my mom's side, she demonstrated how her cancer treatments were forcing her hair to fall out in handfuls. She wanted a haircut, and I gladly, proudly gave her what I knew was her last haircut. That moment was profound and meaningful. Deep in my mind, I knew I was preparing my living mother for her dying moments, 
even if I didn't want to admit it openly. And just a couple of days later, when I had to travel back home, I knew it was my last few moments with her on this earth. And I knew it was goodbye. As she slept, I held her hand and realized there was something I had to do. Her nails. She would have never let her nails get this long and untidy if her mind and body weren't failing her. So I lovingly cleaned them, clipped them, and filed them to the best of my ability. Grooming my dead or dying parents was profoundly healing, loving, and honoring. Both of them had impeccable hygiene, and I know they appreciated these simple gestures to help them look their best when they could no longer do it for themselves. Death used to scare me a lot. The fear of losing a loved one and not knowing what to say or do or feeling like I would just want to run in the other direction. It was so real. And yet here I was leaning into and embracing moments that I could have easily fled from. No one would have blamed me for turning away, overwhelmed with grief. Perhaps the strength and values and love they showed me in this life are really what helped me navigate those moments. So cheers to all of you well-groomed people of the world. Groom your dead or dying with love and admiration. And when our time comes, may our loved ones, our children, our grandchildren care for us too in our final hours. Oh, the first time I recorded this close, like this is the close of the podcast. This is the end. The last time I have anything to say to you in episode two, I was just like, hey, everybody. So listen, if you want to find out more about YG2D.com, <laughs> and then it's like, oh, these people just stopped listening to my best friend talk about his mom and dad dying and him grooming them. And so I stopped and I deleted and I just wanted to like take a big breath, kind of catch up to myself here. It's weird when you do a podcast because you're not like you're not in it in real time. And so I'm trying to work on listening to the segments that I'm sharing before I talk. And um, so I'll make sure to really commit to that moving forward and like taking a pause and hearing what it is that you you're hearing and being with you and you're listening and um, not just like piecing this thing together and then being like, all right, I got to do the close. Okay, everybody. Well, thank you so much for listening to Bob and Blaze. So, uh, yeah, I love you, Leon. Thank you for that and for your friendship and for how um, unbelievably you've shown up in life and um, how you showed up for your dad after all the years of ways that he didn't show up for you. And, um, and your mom and the love you have for her and him, um, you're an incredible human being. And I'm so glad that I am gifted with your friendship in my life. And thanks to all of you for listening to You're Going to Die, the podcast. Um, if you haven't subscribed already to the podcast, please do. 
And another huge way you can help out is by rating and reviewing the podcast. So if you're crying right now and you're just covered in snot and uh, really feeling it, just don't wait another minute. Go on Apple Podcasts and click the stars and leave a review. Um, it really is the best way you can help other than subscribing and, and continuing to listen. Um, so do all those things, please, and, and share it with your friends. You know, if it's feeling like it, it hits that place that you need it to hit, um, go tell someone and uh, share it with them. Uh, that's maybe the best way you're going to die is unfolded in life is that I think people come and they they experience the things they need to experience and then they go to someone else and say, hey, I think you might have some things you might need to experience through this. So please share it, share away. And um, if you have any any questions, feedback, ways you want to connect, um, you can email me at ned at yg2d.com. Um, I'm out here and I'm your friend. And uh, we are your friend. Uh, you're going to die the organization. Trust me, some of the people I've met through this thing and that I get to work with doing this thing are the best people in my life. So connect up. You can find us online. Find us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, best way, though, again, is through the hub that is the website, www.yg2d.com. And we are a 501c3 nonprofit, so if you feel inclined to support what we do and more of what we do in the world, please, you can go to that website and click on Donate and help support us. Uh, but if you are listening, remember, two things are true. One, you're going to die. Two, you haven't yet. The rest is up to you. Thanks a lot, everybody. Until next time.